0: reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents sinned. It was so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and smeared the clay on his eyes, and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed, and came back able to see. His neighbors and those who had, been, who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is, but others said, No, he just looks like him. He said, I am. So they said to him, how were your eyes opened? He replied, the man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went there and washed and was able to see. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the one who was born blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you have to say about him, since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight until they summoned the parents of the one who had gained his sight. They asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged him as the Christ, he would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, He is of age, question him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind, and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, If he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind, and now I see." So they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, you are that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God speaks to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said to them, this is what is so amazing. That you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. Then Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. He found him and said, "Do you believe in the Son of man?" He answered and said, "Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him?" Jesus said to him, "You have seen him. The one speaking with you is he." He said, "I do believe, Lord," and he worshiped him. Then Jesus said, "I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see might see, and those who do not see might become bl- those who do see, might become blind." Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not also blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying, We see, so your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, on this fourth Sunday of Lent, we celebrate Laetare Sunday, one of the two times a year where the priest dons his rose-colored vestments to ascend to the holy altar of God to proclaim a message of rejoicing, of joy. Rejoice, Jerusalem, and all who love her. Be joyful in all who are mourning and exult and be satisfied at her consoling breast. These are the words that begin the Holy Mass, the entrance antiphon. And yet this weekend... We're struck by a stark reality that we are called to rejoice and yet there is still much sorrow in our hearts. Keenly for us in our diocese, the sorrow of not being able to attend the public celebration of Holy Mass. Indeed we rejoice that there are so many who are offering uh, televised masses and various resources so that we are not missing the Lord entirely, but still To see Mass on TV or on our phones or to listen to audio is simply not the same as to be in the community in our church, worshiping our Lord together as members of his body. And yet Mother Church still calls us to rejoice. And we rejoice through the strange opening of our gospel. It seems a question much like our own day as we continue to go through the coronavirus we can look at our social media streams and see a whole variety of people's response as to why this is taking place some suggest that we deserve it that this is God's wrath others suggest that it's simply nature doing what nature does some have all kinds of theories about a whole variety of things some positing that the Lord is simply permitting us uh, to endure this cross in a certain time an extra an extra portion of Lent if you will and others Simply understand the fact uh, that good things happen and bad things happen, and as our blessed Lord has said to us, the Lord causes rain to fall on the good and the bad alike. And ultimately, none of us perfectly understands the mind of God. And so, the greatest thing for us is simply to trust, to seek to understand not necessarily why it's happening, but how we are to respond. In the gospel, they're asking the question, simply of the man, who sinned that this man is blind? A presumption that somebody had done something wrong, and God was striking the man with justice. This doesn't seem exactly to be the case, though, as our Lord very clearly points out. It's not a simple fact that his parents had done something wrong, or he himself had done something wrong, that he is struck blind. Rather, it's that the Lord permits this blindness in order to bring forth from it a great good, an example to others, a mysterious healing by the laying on of hands. Is by the blessed Lord putting the dirt in his eyes and inviting him to go and to wash in the pool of Siloam to be obedient to the to the voice of the Lord. That the man finds healing of his blindness and is able to see and becomes a living witness once more of the good things of God. Very much in the imitation of the story last weekend of the woman at the well, where she comes, she experiences Christ, and she goes forth to tell everyone, Come meet a man who's told me everything about me. An invitation, a call to encounter Christ. In the midst of the coronavirus, there's so many responses. Some people seem to have resigned themselves to watching Netflix and sitting on the couch until further notice. Um, Many are, of course, struggling and wrestling with uh, becoming homeschool parents or uh, stay-at-home moms and dads uh, and a whole variety of things, of course, not to mention the reality of so many places of of job loss, of underemployment, of plummeting stock markets, and these kinds of things, and indeed in so many ways that the coronavirus is coming against us, especially to be able to, to, uh, to keep us kind of pulled away from so much of our normal rhythm of, of life, um, especially in the life of prayer and of faith. It's not so much a question for us to ask why is this happening, because ultimately none of us knows the mind of God. It's an invitation of how do I respond? How is it that I respond? I think many of us have become, I think all of us have become, uh, Simon of Cyrene, the man who was going about his normal daily work when he was plucked up from the crowd and placed under the cross of Jesus to carry it alongside our blessed Lord to his death. Each of us going about our normal daily work have had our life thrust upon us. Something new is at work. An invitation for us to climb upon the cross, to carry our cross with our blessed Lord, to walk with him. It's an invitation to manifest our faith, to manifest our faith and our trust in our Lord. An opportunity for us to exercise great charity, To exercise concern for others and reaching out to them. Exercise an offering of ourself to build up relationships, to build up family, to be present to others, to be present on the digital continent, the internet as it's called. To respond with grace. To respond with grace. As the world is being encouraged to enter into uh, isolation, to be able to shelter in place, to stay put and to not go out and be busy about so many things. It's an absolutely wonderful invitation for us to experience many of the same things that we hear about in the Gospels over and over and again, including today. How Jesus comes to people, individuals, in the midst of their ordinary lives, and he meets them. And these personal encounters result in transformation of hearts, of minds, of souls, of lives. And that's not something that simply happens in the Bible. It's an invitation for us to continue to experience that for ourselves today. Each of us in so many ways is the man born blind. Each of us, in so many ways, is the woman of the well. Each of us, in so many ways, are all of the characters throughout Scripture whom our Lord comes and he encounters, he knows, and he loves. And he invites them to trust in him. The first thing that Jesus says to the man after he is uh, cast out, um, basically exiled from the community for... Professing his belief that Jesus is a great man, is a healer. The first question Jesus asks Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe? Do you believe in me? Do you understand? This question that Jesus asks of that man is the same question he wants to continue to invite us to reflect upon. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you know him? Do we know him deeply? Do we experience time away with him? I this isolation, again, is an opportunity for us who are so, so frequently busy about so many things like Martha in the gospel. This is a time that the Lord is inviting us to recognize that we're also called to be Mary at his feet, the one who knows the better part and from which, from whom it shall not be taken. I speak for myself, certainly, uh, that very often it is easy for me to be busy about so many things, to be running from place to place, taking on this, checking on that, taking care of this, taking care of that, doing all of these things, and yet in the midst of it, even forgetting the reason that I'm doing all of these things, namely the person of Jesus. And this time is a stark reality check for us, for me at least, to stop and to pray, truly to pray. An opportunity to come, to meet Jesus, to read the scriptures, and to really spend time with him, to really dig into him and meditate and reflect upon it to speak to our Lord as he speaks in the scriptures. If you can make it to church, if your churches are open, ours is, to go and to rest with him if you would like, observing all the necessary precautions, of course. To pray your rosary and to contemplate the life of Jesus, allowing the beads to pass through your fingers as you simply gaze upon our Lord in the quiet of your heart and maybe even before your eyes to look upon a crucifix to look upon an image of Christ to see the face of the man who comes to heal us maybe to look upon the face of Jesus today and to marvel as you might have marveled if you were the man who was born blind in the gospel the one who had never seen the face of Jesus and yet had been healed by him imagine that first encounter to look upon the face of the man who had done that. Who had brought light to the eyes and to see that he wants to do the same for our souls. To look upon the face of Christ and to know that he is with us. And this is why we rejoice. Not because of the things around us because life brings sorrows and sufferings in a whole variety of ways to each and to all of us. We rejoice because in the midst of our sufferings, Christ is with us. Christ is with us. This is the source of our hope. This is our consolation. He is the one in whom we place all of our trust. And we can ask so many questions why, and we can do all kinds of things wondering, but the most important response is how do we respond? How do I engage in this time? Do I do it reluctantly? Do I let do it gracefully? As we continue in this holy day, indeed let us find opportunities to rejoice in the Lord. There's so many ways, so many things around us, in our homes, in the skies above us, in the yards around us, opportunities to marvel at God's goodness. Even the smallest of things can be opportunities to rejoice in God's goodness. So let us lift up our hearts, continue to place our trust in the Lord, and rejoice, for the Lord is near.